Would you stand for a moment as we read the Word of God tonight? I'm going to begin reading in 1 Corinthians 15 and begin reading in verse 57, and we'll read on through to the end of the chapter there. So 1 Corinthians 15, if you'll turn there with me, I'll begin reading in verse 57, and we'll read on through to the end of the chapter there. So if you're with me, it says in verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You may be seated. So I was just kind of sitting in my office, and I can't tell you all the calls I've received, and, uh, and they varied. They varied from Virginia to Ohio to different locations of just different people struggling. And you know what I find is that when I'm struggling, that's when I get the calls about other people struggling. So I think God takes my mind off of my struggles by sending people to me. And so I begin to try to solve whatever they're going through or praying with them for whatever they're going through. And God seems to make mine go away. So I'm just trying to give you a hint. Amen? So whenever you're struggling, find somebody else who is, and you go help them, and yours will go away. (laughs) And so it's just uh, something that I find that the Lord does. But I I, I thought about how winning is important uh, to many of us. And and it's something that happens in this life. And there are times of victory but there's also times of defeat, and I, I know those times of victory, when you win, it's exciting, isn't it? And, uh, you know, when things happen and, and they just go your way. Did you ever have one of them days you just woke up, and man, it was just like you get to the end of the day and you thought, whew, can't believe this, everything kind of went my way today. <laughs> and then there's those days where you get up, and uh, how many of you remember the commercials when they would run uh, about uh, the sports thing on the weekends, and they would say, uh, the something of victory and the agony of what? Defeat. How many of you remember that? You see the guy on the skis come down the ski slope and he'd lose it. And, and what was it? Wide world of sports, I think is what it was, right? And so he'd come down that ski slope, boy, you'd see, and they would say the agony of defeat, and you'd see that ski come off, and boy, he would just bounce his body all over the place. And so there's defeat at times. But uh, winning is something that we all enjoy. And when we're going into uh, battles, even when you are strong in number, defeat can occur. And uh, I looked in the scriptures and I began to think about what are some of the losses that took place in the scriptures? Well, we know some of the victories because we saw what happened at Jericho. But do you realize right after Jericho came the battle of what? Ai. How many of you remember the battle of Ai? You see Joshua and all his folks, they won the battle of Jericho, but they came to the battle of Ai and what happened? They got defeated, didn't they? And, and, and so you say, well, how did that happen? How many of you remember Elijah calling fire down out of heaven? How many of you remember that story where Elijah calls fire down out of heaven and he consumes the altar? And then in a few verses later, we see him out uh, and, and he's whining and crying because Bathsheba's coming after him and, uh, or Jezebel's coming after him. And uh, you see that situation and you look at it and you say to yourself, here in one condition, he's like as strong as can be. And in the next, uh, someone's coming after him and he's kind of whining about the fact uh, that uh, Jezebel is coming after him. And then I got to thinking, how about, how about Gideon? How many of us are a Gideon? How many of you would say you've asked God to help you with something or to do something, he gives you that peace, and you go out and you flip the fleece and say, wait a minute, let me ask again, or let me ask again, or let me ask again, <laughs> just to make sure that it's right. And, and you see Gideon, and it's, he's getting ready to go into battle. So you see Joshua going into battle, and when he goes into the battle, he was very strong, was he not? He listened to the Lord, he obeyed God, he went in, he fought the battle. At the battle of Ai, God said to Joshua, hey, listen, there's sin in the camp. And so sin in the camp caused the defeat to come. Then you see Gideon, who 
was going to go into battle because God had called him, but then there was a lot of doubt in his mind. How many of you remember him just doubting God, and, and he just kept doing that? And we do that ourselves sometimes when we go into battle. And then I got to be thinking about Hezekiah. How many of you know the story of Hezekiah where uh, they were coming in to uh, destroy them, and he gets word, and he gets this letter, and he goes into the house of the Lord. And he kneels before God, and it says, and he spread it before the Lord. <laughs> And so in his battle, he sought God out for the entire thing, just as Joshua did at the Battle of Jericho. And we see Joshua on one end and Hezekiah on the other end, but both men's intent was, I'm going to go to God. There wasn't doubt. There wasn't that kind of fear that comes into us when we face battles, as maybe at the Battle of Ai or maybe at the battle that Gideon faced. But what I want to challenge you about is uh, that there are times when we go into battle, it doesn't deter some from continuing on in the battle. But sometimes we celebrate a little too early. And uh, we've seen that even in our own nation where we've celebrated a little too early. How many of us realize that since 9-11, this war has been going on for 19 years now? 19 years. I mean, it's insane to think about that. We've lost 2,843 soldiers. We've lost 20, uh, we've had uh, 20,940 injured and now when we say injured, we don't know what the magnitude of those injuries are, but the, the, the idea was is that at one point we were almost celebrating that we had won, and we have not. And, and so the battle's still going on. And so there are some who do not get deterred, and they continue on. And as an individual believer, you have what the Lord Jesus Christ provided, and we're to continue on, but we're to do it even whenever defeat comes or when trouble comes or when hardships come and we're facing those battles. We have to remember we have victory through Jesus Christ. You see, when I read this passage, he says, But thanks be to God, which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. <laughs> Think about what he's teaching us here. And, and you imagine this letter that he was writing to this church that was having all this trouble. And he's writing this letter to him. And here's the thought for us tonight. Are you willing to continue on laboring for the Lord, knowing that we have the victory? You see, we can think that we're defeated, but we are not. We are fighting from victory and not for it. And so we have to approach each day as we're fighting from victory, not for victory. So when a war or battle is done, there's still what work that needs to be done. And so God needs to complete work here on this field. And so what is the work that needs to be completed? Well, yesterday we went out and we were knocking doors. Some amazing things happened yesterday and some really rough things happened to us yesterday. And so as we went out and we were knocking doors right here in Minster... I uh, went to one fellow's house and knocked on the door. He, uh, or, uh, he was on the porch, and uh, there was some uh, brick falling, and we started talking to him a little bit. So I went to hand him one of our Easter tracts and invite him to church, and he said, I don't want none of that. He said, I'm Catholic. I said, you are. I said, how long have you been Catholic? He said, 90 years. I said, how old are you? He said, nine years old. What's that tell you? He was born into a religion, right? And Emily and I were together, and we were walking away, and she goes, I don't understand that. How could he be that? How did he accept Jesus as Savior, Dad? How could he have done that if he's been one all his life? The other was is that we went to a door, and uh, Emily said, Dad, I'll take this one. You take that one. I said, okay. So she went to the one door. I went to the other. As I went to my door, nobody came to the door. As she went to her door, somebody came to the door, and when they did, they came outside and they grabbed the track off the door and they threw it at Emily and said, 
I said no soliciting in my house. And they did that to a 13-year-old little girl. And I thought, I wonder what Catholic church they go to. No, I just... <laughs> But the thing of it is, is that can you imagine? And Emily's walking away, and she said, Dad, she was angry. I feel so bad for her. And I said, well, let me show you what it says in the Scriptures. And it, taught, it teaches us in the Scriptures as the apostles walked away in chapter 5, right? What happened to them? They rejoiced because they had been beaten for Jesus' name's sake. And so I told her, this is no beating, but it's a reminder to us. I said, walk away rejoicing. I said, but remember that house number and the street name, and pray for her, and pray for the lady. And here's the thing. There's a battle for souls, folks. There's a real battle for souls out there. And people want to deter us from doing anything about it. And believe me, I can't think for a moment that Satan's not behind those things. But I challenged my daughter not to give up, and she didn't. And then she got scared to death by a dog at an excellent. So, <laughs> so, but the thing of it is, is that believers are given the challenge and the strength to endure. I really believe that with all my heart. We, we are already on the victor's side. We have the victory. Amen? Number two, we have a position that the world doesn't have. We have a position in heaven. <laughs> and there is a work that God has left here for us, and we are working from victory and not for it. And so I just kind of want to remind us of a few things as we go through this tonight. I want to talk about the victory. You know, when, it, when you come to the conclusion that you do not have to win the battle, but the victory is yours through the Lord Jesus Christ, I think that should help us endure. It should cause us to continue on and not stop. And, and we must always have a heart of gratitude toward our God, and it brings victory back into focus, I think. This helps us even in our daily battles with sin. And, you know, all of us battle with that subject matter of sin in our lives, and our age is not a factor in that. Everybody battles with sin in our lives. And so when that battle comes uh, in your thought life, knowing that Christ has already given you the victory, you just have to trust him a lot of times in helping you get through those times. When I think about that in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so no matter what you're facing, the faith that we have in Christ Jesus can help us overcome it. <laughs> So no matter what the sin is, no matter what the battle is, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the situation is, if you have faith in Christ, we have the victory, and he can help you overcome that. He goes on to say, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth Jesus is the Son of God. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for just a moment. He tells us in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 4, the same thing we're reading right here, but thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in Christ. So let's allow this to cross over into our everyday battles that we face. You know, as Christian struggles come, and when they come and, and into our battles, uh, we have to say to ourselves, okay, how, how do I overcome this? One of the things that I'm challenging the Sunday school class with is this. I'm trying to get them to memorize Scripture. Now, why is it that we would want to memorize Scripture? What would be the purpose of it? And, and I've heard everything from, I'm too young, I'm too busy, and I'm too old. <laughs> so at what point do we memorize Scripture? You see, I think everybody ought to do this because if we memorize Scripture, when the hard times come, Christ that resides in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, brings to our remembrance those things to help us in our time of need. And, and what it is is that there are many that say, well, I'm either too young, or I am too old, or I am too busy. So that means whether you're young or you're a young married couple and both working, 
or you've aged and you can't remember anymore, we all have a reason not to memorize it. But the Bible says, Thine word have I hid in mine heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. There's no age factor there. And, and so God desires for us to really think about his word. Let's allow this to cross over into our daily battles. Many Christians struggle when it comes to our battles because our victory in Christ grows faint in, in our hearts. And what happens is, is we forget that we're saved. We forget that Christ has won the victory. We forget the word of God. And so by doing so, we're not helping ourselves. And, and what we have to do is we have to memorize scripture. We have to have that daily dose. We need to be nourished up daily in the words of faith. Now, how many of you have ever fasted? You, don't, you know, we're not going to brag, but we've fasted. Many of us have tried it at some point, maybe, and have fasted. And, uh, and here's the thing. You can only do it for so long. And so you can maybe go 40 days just drinking water, but after that 40th day, things are going to go downhill for you real fast. <laughs> and the reason is, is because you're not nourishing your physical body, are you? So here's the thing. We are not to fast the scriptures <laughs> or to stay apart from them. What we need to do is every day, just like you get up and you think to yourself, you know what, <laughs> man, that sausage, biscuits, and gravy is just going to do the shot for me right now, <laughs> isn't it? Or, 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 you know, I need my bowl of Cheerios. I, I need something because I need something to get me going. And you say, well, I'm just a coffee person. Yes, but you need something to get you going, don't you? And the thing of it is, is that we do not fail to nourish our bodies. Be honest with ourselves. We don't fail to nourish our bodies. But the thing of it is, is we fail to nourish our souls. And I just want you to consider tonight, if we're fighting from victory, we ought to have a desire to continue to nourish our souls through the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and through the power of his word. Now, when the battle comes, let's head to our greatest battle station. And I believe this with all my heart, folks. The greatest battle station you can get to is on your knees in your prayer closet. That's the greatest battle station you can get to. You would be shocked at how many answers God will provide by you worshiping him in spirit and in truth and in faith and in obedience. And you'd be shocked at what God will accomplish in your life in one day's time if you give yourself over to him. And listen, whatsoever you ask of him, ye shall receive it if you ask in his name. And I believe that to be true. And, and what I'm sharing with you is, is that I should be able to come to my Father in spirit and in truth and in faith and obedience and ask of him what I should. And so I come to him with that kind of heart. Now certainly there's a time to confront the enemy, and I believe that with all of my heart, but you must prepare or you'll not be able to overcome it. But oftentimes we will be overcome by the ways of the flesh because we have not prepared ourselves spiritually. If you go to James chapter 4, and you read it, it says, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil, right? It never tells us to get into a battle with him. So if you get into a battle with the devil, it's not going to help you at all. And he will defeat you. <laughs> because if you think you can fight with him, it's not going to work. Listen, not even Michael the archangel got into a battle with the devil. He didn't do it. So I challenge you tonight to think this thought. To have the strength to endure, you must go out into the world equipped for the battle as you're strengthened by your Savior. And believe me, you can overcome by leaning on His Word and His leadership. Let me give you a verse that I think is so wonderful. And, and many of you say, well, preacher, I already know this verse. No, that's not what I'm talking about. 
Knowing a verse and putting it into action is two different things. So I want you to think about this verse. Philippians 4.13. How many of you could just tell me what it is right now? Anybody? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Right? So what is it that he tells us? I can. That means it's possible, isn't it? I can means that it's a, it, it, uh, I'm able. I can, uh, this can be accomplished. And I, I look at it and he says, I can do. That means I can take action on this. And he says, I can do all things. So no matter what it is, I am able to take action, but it's through Christ which strengthens me. So no matter what your battle is that you're facing, the Bible clearly teaches us, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, think about this in John 15, 5. I am divine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But there's a phrase in here that we miss. He that abideth in me. <laughs> he that abideth in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me. In other words, he's saying, are you going to dwell with me? Are you going to dwell with me? If you're going to dwell with me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And he says, because if you don't abide in me, it's going to be impossible for you to complete anything. But with him, all things are possible. And so he says in this verse, for without me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from him, nothing's going to occur that's going to help you spiritually. But if you abide in him, and he in you, things will change. The other one is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. How many of us have physical ailments and we don't think that his grace is sufficient for us? This is what Paul's actually talking about here. There was something wrong with Paul and Paul even said, look, I've come to them to you thrice and you've rejected this. So something was wrong with Paul. And Paul realized that he had to come to the place where the grace of God was sufficient to fix the situation for him or to help him overcome it. And you look at this and he says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And look, when we have weaknesses, he's strong. <laughs> for where I am weak, he is strong. Is that what, not what the Bible teaches us? My weaknesses are his strength, and so I must turn those over to him. So in the battles of this life, be willing to continue on laboring for the Lord, knowing that you're fighting from victory and not for it. Secondly, I want you to think this thought. We are always to stand our ground based on our victory in Christ. Look at what it says here in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. <laughs> be steadfast, unmovable. You know, when you're in the midst of a fight sometimes, there's a desire to retreat because you are faced with something that's maybe overwhelming to you. And sometimes we want to run from our problems. How many of you ever want to run from your problem? Anybody? I'm it. No one else in here ever wants to run from their problems, do they? I'm the only one. But I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes I just want to forget it, man. And the fact is, is, we get into that battle sometimes, and what you face is overwhelming. So Paul's challenging all those that are of the faith to stand on and, and, and hold their position. When, when you think about this, he said, Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, unmovable. He's saying, hold your position. It does not mean this is without action, though. 
I believe when we're holding our position, we're still reading our Bible, we're still praying, we're still seeking the Lord in the situation, we're still moving about and doing the things. When he's saying unmovable, I think it's about the position that we hold, that this is the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to stand on this. I'm not going to move from this truth, and I'm going to hold to what the truth is. And so when he's saying unmovable, I don't think it's without action, but that you do not move on any other order but what God has given you. And here's the thing. So many of us go to God and give Him our order, and we want Him to bless it rather than take our orders from God. And what I mean by that is sometimes we will take action on something or we'll do something based upon how we feel and not the facts or the truth of the Word of God. And what happens sometimes is they end in disaster for us because we've not sought the Lord for that decision that we're about to make, and we've done it in the flesh and not in the Spirit, We haven't sought God's wisdom or his understanding or his knowledge or what direction he would have us to take. And he said, be steadfast, unmovable. In other words, I'm going to hold to the position. Unless I consult God, I'm not going to take action on this. And the reality is, is how many of us right here in this room tonight have taken actions apart from our Savior, apart from consulting God, apart from asking the Lord, what is it that you would have me to do, Father? And then you receive the peace of God, and then you move forward based upon truth and not on just feelings about how I feel about a situation, but I'm doing it based upon the fact and the truth of the Word of God. As I share that with you, don't be a person that just gives up on the Lord too easily. When you are steadfast according to the Scriptures, you are settled in your position, and what happens will not move you from your position. I shared with you, I've still got some homework to do on this, but it said uh, that, uh, and, and by the way, Rick Ruff shared this with me. He said before he left, he said, I read an article, I'm getting him to send it to me, that 58% of millennials think it's okay to be a homosexual. Inclusive in that are the people that sit in local churches. Now, here's the problem I have with that. That doesn't coincide with the Word of God, does it? It does not line up with God's Word. So either man's wrong or God's wrong. Now, we need to hold our position. We need to be settled on where we are on this subject. This isn't about hate, and it's not hate speech. It's just telling the truth. And what we don't want to do today is tell the truth. The other difficulty that we're facing today is we've got more women standing behind the pulpit preaching today than we've ever had. And society says that's right and that's okay, and we're not concerned about what the Scriptures teach because that's, that's archaic, that's old. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, if that's true, then salvation is old and archaic, and we don't need it anymore either. And the reality is is that we want to change and adjust the Word of God to fit our needs, our wants, our desires, or our cultural uh, uh, acquisitions that we have throughout this world. And we say to ourselves, this is what we want to do now. And so we change the Word of God. And believe me, Paul dealt with this in Romans chapter 1. You just read from verse 18 through verse 32, and you see even in his time that men wanted to change the Word of God. They wanted to change what God told them. And in fact, in those very passages is where he says homosexuality is not a place that a human being ought to walk because it's an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. And and actually it says in the nostrils of God, You're to remain firm in what you believe and not to be moved by your situation or your circumstances. And I believe many have faced these battles. And I believe many of us have wanted to retreat at times. But the Lord tells you to hold your position. 
He's the one that is there for us every time we go into battle. As one of his children, he's there to fight for us. So I'll give you a couple of verses. You can just write these down. We're not going to turn to all these. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is found in Exodus 14, 14. And he says, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. <laughs> the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Now, I, I want to share with you that I don't know how many of us get there because we say, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith Bob. Right? That's me. That's what I want to do. I want to accomplish my will and, and not God's will. So I want to make things happen. But the Bible actually says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. <laughs> And he tells us in the Old Testament here in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Let me give you three other verses and then you can write these down and go look at them on your time. Deuteronomy 1, 30, Deuteronomy 3, 22, and Deuteronomy 20 in verse 4. 1, 30 of Deuteronomy says, The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. So if I'm saved, God goes before me. <laughs> He's ahead of me. I'm following my leader, my God. He tells me in 3.22, Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And then he tells us in 20 and verse 4, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. God promised us three times in the scriptures, just in these passages uh, here in Deuteronomy, that he fights for us. He goes ahead of us. He's on our side. He's on our team. And so we're not fighting for victory. The position that we hold is very different. So when you're troubled and your heart is heavy and you want to retreat, I, I challenge you to do this. Turn to the Lord. And in your every weakness, go to your battle station, which is prayer. Drop to your knees and begin to pray. Ask God to help you. And, and believe me, we hold a position that the world doesn't hold. So that is why the challenge goes even further. That's to stand your ground or hold your position. And we do it through our victory in Christ. You know, he saved your soul for an eternity, and he'll help you stand your ground. And here's the idea. Do not be moved by your situation, by your circumstances, or by your enemies. Let me share something with you. Listen for just a second. I had a good preacher tell me this one time. Here's what he told me. He said, when God calls you somewhere, don't you ever leave because of criticism. You only leave by the will of God. How many of us have walked away from something just because of a little bit of criticism? And the advice that came to me was biblical advice because the Bible says there's a wisdom which cometh from above that's first pure, then peaceable. And it's fully entreated. And, and believe me, when God gives it to you, it's without hypocrisy. And so God never backs off his word. He's always going to stand by his word. And so the advice that I give to you tonight is just because of your circumstances or just because of your situation or just because of an enemy, that's no reason to retreat. The only thing that we should do is turn to God in faith and obedience, in spirit and in truth. And we ought to come to him and we ought to ask God, what is it that you would have me to do, Lord? And then thank God and then continue on. And believe me, you're able to endure and continue your laboring because of who you serve. Lastly, the thought is this. Who you work for will help you endure. I love this because he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So who do we work for? <laughs> we work for God. And that's who we're working for. He said, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anything you do for God is not empty. 
So believe me, if you're reading your Bible, it's not empty time. If you're praying, you're not wasting your time. If you're serving the Lord in some capacity, listen, you're not wasting your time. But I will share this with you. The work, what each and every one of you do for the Lord, it's not wasted. It doesn't go unnoticed by God. And I believe what Paul is doing here, he's cheering them on. And he's cheering us on. He's telling us to excel at what we do for God. And always the work that we do for him, it ought to be better or exceed what we would even do for ourselves. You know, I, I, I'm not being unkind here, but I want to share truth with you. You know, it's amazing how many calls come into a church in a, in a day's time. You have no idea. But a lot of times we'll get calls here, and, and this is what we hear, Brother Mike. This is the kind of stuff that comes in. Hey, we got this old piano. Several of the keys don't work, and we thought maybe the church could use it. I have yet to have somebody call me and say, hey, by the way, I have a brand new grand piano that we just purchased, and we want to give it to your church. So today, when we got the grant, <laughs> God said, let me correct you on that, right? So they gave us the 600 bucks so we can go buy a new freezer or refrigerator back there. And the thing of it is, is that I, I thought to myself, I rarely get those calls. So when the lady called me and was talking to me, I thought, huh, that's unusual. <laughs> but, you know, and it happened to us uh, once. I, I got a friend here tonight. This is Randy Mullins back here, folks. Good friend of mine from, from Colonial Beach and uh, King George area. Brother Randy knows this to be true. We were trying to put a roof on an old building that we had down there. And I told you that old building was built in seven sections. And when we uh, had a storm come through, we had a flood come through, they told us we had to replace the roof. I had one guy in the church when I told him we had to replace the shingles on the roof. He said, which ones? <laughs> I said, no. They said, we have to replace the roof. He goes, I know which side. I said, no. He said, we have to replace the roof. <laughs> it was just a battle to get him to understand we were going to replace all the shingles on the roof. <laughs> and, and, and I went to the and Brother Randy was on a leadership team down there, and I went to him, and I said, hey, I said, listen, I said, <laughs> we don't have the money to do this. We got X number of dollars in the bank, and this is what happened. So we began to pray about it, and I got a phone call. And so when I got the phone call, a gentleman called the church and said he wanted to give us a car. And I thought, okay. And you know what's in my mind. I'm going to go over. It's going to be on blocks with no wheels on it, and we're going to have to drag it to the junkyard to get our 100 bucks. That's really what I think, because generally that's what people want to give to the church. So I go over, I took Junior personally with me, and we go over to the guy's house, and I had my Ford Explorer, and we went over to this man's house, and Jim takes us inside, and he goes, look, I've already signed the title, and I saw this old blue Oldsmobile sitting in the driveway, and I thought, I wonder if it's that. And he goes, it's out in the garage, so I went out in the garage, and I got it, and he's got a 1967 convertible Chevy Impala that he's donating to the church that he had restored. So I told Junior, I said, here's the keys to my Ford Explorer. I'm going to take this with me. <laughs> I want to see how this thing drives. And God provided. And what I'm sharing with you is, if we'll trust God and trust what he's doing in his work, God can do amazing things. But we have to trust the Lord. Now, as I share this with you, this is like a coach pushing his players when they're behind. Uh, now, I had the privilege the other night, I was just flipping through the channels. I really wasn't looking for this, Brother Joe. I just, I wasn't. But they had the greatest games in NFL history. The Bengals weren't in it. But they had the Steelers and the Cardinals game on. And in the last two minutes and 37 seconds, 
The Steelers were behind. They were losing in the Super Bowl 43, by the way. And in two minutes and 37 seconds, they drove down the field and literally won the game. Now, if you see the final catch in that game, it's unreal. Santonio Holmes was standing at the edge of the end zone like this, caught the ball, tiptoed up like this, brought it in, and fell forward, and they won the game. Now, I can't imagine being Mike Tomlin on the other side of the field over there, <laughs> and, and he's trying to convince his team that they can still win. You've got two minutes and 37 seconds to beat this other team. And you say, well, you know, that's a lifetime uh, in football. Well, it is for Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, but not for most quarterbacks. But the thing of it is, is that these guys had to be motivated, didn't they? And Christ is always trying to encourage us, no matter what we're behind, he is ahead of us. <laughs> and no matter how we feel, he's always the victor. And what I share with you is this. We are bound or rebound from the losses and look to the Savior who's given us the victory. What begins to happen to us as believers over time, we think that we are doing, uh, what we're doing uh, does not matter. And listen, I want to tell you, whatever you're doing for the Lord, it makes a difference. Some of you folks have no idea how you've touched other people's lives. Now, I know how you all have touched other people's lives because they've come to me and told me. But you don't even know how, I'm talking about the very people sitting in this room right now, how you folks have touched other people's lives. And you don't even know you've done it. And yet, they've come to me and said, you know, I'm so grateful for, or I'm really thankful that. So God has done things through you folks, and you're not even aware of it. And here's the thing, whatever you do in the Lord's namesake, He is pleased with you when you do it for His namesake. As long as we're not trying to take the gain or the credit. Now, if you hold on to that way of thinking that it doesn't matter, that way of thinking is vain or empty because often that is the thought of self and what we're thinking about is what we want to achieve. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you're doing for God is not in vain. It's not empty. It's of value. So here's the thing. We're to labor for the Lord, and the work that we complete for Him is not empty. And at times, we're not even made aware of what's happening. Let me give you some verses, and I'm done tonight. Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. You ought to write this down. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. God's not unrighteous. God's not going to forget what you've done. <laughs> and, and, and he says, your labor of love, and he says, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. He's saying to the people that are right here in this church that you minister to, God's not going to forget what you're doing. God's not going to forget that you've done something. Listen, it is a labor of love when you're doing it in his name and for his name's sake. He's not going to forget what you're doing. <laughs> And, and the challenge to us is to always remember this. And, and he says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He said, keep going, didn't he? Don't slow down, don't stop, keep moving forward. Now, endurance is something that's built up over time. So in the midst of your battles, as you continue to labor for the Lord... He's helping you to build that endurance because his work's going to get completed. 
and he's helping you endure in those times when you think he's not there, that's when he's there the most. (laughs) And we need him in every area of our life. Listen, we're fighting from victory, not for it. We have a position that's very different than the rest of the world. (laughs) And the work that we're doing, if you're doing it for the Lord, it's never an empty thing to do something for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Ask now that